when you look at it as a business, if I were going to build a $10 million real estate investing company, I would have to really be honest about what my superpowers are, what really drives this business, and how can I do more of it. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Lars Hedenborg. Lars, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Theo. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Looking forward to our conversation. Before we dive too deep into that, let's go over Lars's background. So he's the founder of Real Estate B-School which provides training and coaching to top producing agents and team leaders. He went from working 70 hours a week to one day a week through his trial and error development of a systems driven business. So you better believe we'll be discussing that. He has 13 and a half years of real estate experience and has helped facilitate over 4,000 home purchases since 2007. He is based in Charlotte, North Carolina and his website is real estate b school just the letter b.com so lars do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today yeah for sure so i got into real estate as an investor so i had hooked up with a local agent and i had just moved to charlotte north carolina and the numbers on investment properties here worked a whole lot better than where i came from new jersey so that's kind of how i got into real estate i left a pretty cozy corporate job. I was doing acquisitions and strategy for an aerospace company. Really cool job, but I was traveling. One year I did 250,000 miles in an airplane. So I think that year I hit 28 countries or something like that. So I got to see the world and just a unique experience, but it didn't lend itself at all to any kind of cozy home life. I couldn't be a good dad, couldn't be a good husband. And traveling takes a toll on your physical body as well. So fast forward to 2007, actually got my license in 2006, 2007, March that year, I left my corporate job and quickly realized that, and this is like anything you do, quickly realized that real estate was not what I thought it was. What you learn in school is not what you actually practice on a day to day. So I had to learn how to generate leads. I had to learn how to pick up the phone and talk to people and what to say to compel them to take action. And I got really good at the marketing and lead generation part of it. And I realized quickly that I worked up real fast to 70 hours a week. And most of the 70 hours was spent doing things that I didn't like doing them. And I could build a system to have somebody else do them. And that's basically what I set out to do is just build a business versus a typical successful real estate agent is working 70 hours a week and they're selling a lot of homes and they're miserable and it's not, not a great life. So that's kind of the, the short version the 4,000 families served, I did about 5% of those deals personally as the real estate agent. So I quickly built a business that could hmm. do the job of a real estate agent. So I wouldn't have to. That's great. So I'd love to dive deeper into that journey before we get into the specifics, maybe just high level. So you said you got your license around 2007 and that eventually you're working 70 hours a week and now you're working one day a week. So from a time perspective, how long was it from when you started to when you started working 70 hours a week? How long were you working 70 hours a week? And then how long did it take you to go from 70 hours a week to one day a week? 
it took me about six years total from 2007 to me doing my last deal in 2012. So my last personal deal, my business did 248 deals in 2012 and I did one of them. Then we did 312 the next year and then over 400 in 2014. In 2014, I worked 42 days. So if you look at 2007 to 2014, in 2007, 8, 9, that's when I ramped up quickly and I got super busy because I figured out lead gen and I used a simple script and some Craigslist ads and the market was collapsing. So I was advertising distressed sales. So I figured out how to generate a ton of leads. And then I just surrounded myself with people that were willing to do the same thing that I was doing. Other agents that couldn't generate leads or say the right things or have any discipline or cadence and structure in their day. So it probably was a three-year period where I was working quite a bit of hours and then ratcheted it down from 2010 to 2014 from seven, six, five days, three days, two days, one day, pretty rapidly. And that's when I started Real Estate B-School 2013. The B stands for business. So it's essentially all the same stuff that we teach to top agents and team leaders across the country. It's just leverage and systems and not doing every job. Just because you can move paper around in a file, or if you're doing mailers, like as an investor, let's say you're you're mailing defaults or something, just because you could handwrite an envelope and stick a stamp on something doesn't mean it's the highest and best use of your time. Sure. I just got really diligent and super ruthless about getting out of the things that were lower dollar productive tasks. And I just did that for four or five years in a row. And I ended up to the point where there's not a whole lot left for me to do. So let's try to take it step by step. You've kind of talked about high level, how it's accomplished, but I'm just curious to see how exactly you did it. So 2008, nine, you're working 70 hours a week and then you make the decision to want to reduce that time investment. What's the first thing you did? That's a good question. So I slowed down a lot. So on the one hand, I was running and gunning. On the other hand, whether once a quarter or once a month or once a week, I would just step back from what I was doing and just look at where am I spending my time where it's out of bounds. Let's say I would be willing to work Monday through Friday, nine to five. Like I was willing to work 40 hours. Where am I completely out of bounds on just time? And it was showing homes. So buyers want to look at homes in the evenings and they want to go out on weekends. So I would maintain the business relationship with the buyer, but I would have another agent show them homes. So I can pay an agent 20 bucks an hour to show homes and I can get those people to do that all day long. The average real estate agent, I think makes 40 grand total a year. And so that's 20 bucks an hour, maybe even less than 20 bucks an hour. So I know for 20 bucks an hour, plus a little bonus if they write a contract, I can get out of all of that work. So that's the first thing I did, but it came Hmm. from me looking at my calendar. I would keep an electronic calendar. So I just go back three, four weeks and just look at what are all the things that are out of bounds. So that was the first thing that I got out of. And then the second thing was the same thing with listings. I found myself going on listing appointments a couple evenings a week and Saturdays, 9, 11 and 1 PM for a couple years, I would do three listing appointments every Saturday morning. And again, for me to get out of listing appointments, I just wrote down all the things that it did. How did I prepare for the appointment? What did I send in the mail beforehand? What did I say when I got to the front door? What presentation did I use? How was my paperwork set up? So literally just documenting our eight-step listing system, writing it down, 
and then teaching somebody else to do it. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. I'm going to just go back to those first two. So you said what you did. We were in the process, hired someone. Where did you find these people and how did it work? Was it just they do it, you slip them a 20 or were they people that actually worked for you full time or were the other agents in the brokerage you're working for for the time? Who were these people? We've done it both ways. When I first started, I started attracting agents because I instantly got busy. I was a top producer. I had too many leads. So I brought that year 2010. That's kind of when I launched my team and I had four agents that came into my team. So they wouldn't get the whole commission check. I would take on the burden of spending money on leads and providing office space and all of that. I'm trying to remember your question. Your question was... Who were these people? Yeah, yeah. So those agents would work on their own book of business, their own buyers, where they would earn a split on the commission check, but they'd also double as my showing agents. So I would just say, hey, listen, I've got a client that wants to go out Saturday to look at homes for two hours. Who can take it? And typically the agent that volunteered, they would just stay with that client for the whole time. But then we've also done it where we've just had agents in our office or any agent with a license can provide a showing service for us, knowing that we maintain the relationship. And if they want to keep working with us, that they can't overstep their bounds on trying to own that relationship because money's money. And we would do it after the transaction. They would just account for their time and pretty basic system. It's not all that complicated. So these are other agents that were in the same office as you that kind of saw you being very successful and had all these extra leads. And you said, Hey, you want to do the showing and I'll give you 20 bucks plus a little bonus if you get the contract. Yeah. Most of it was, they were really close to us. They were either on my team or they showed homes for me exclusively. Okay. So this is the first two things you did. So now you're no longer doing the showings. 
and you're no longer doing the listing appointments, what were some of the next things that you contracted out to other people? It's the same process. So getting out of the client facing stuff. So once I was out of working with clients, naturally there was just less drama, less weird phone calls on a Friday night when I should be relaxing with the family. So that brought it down to five days a week. And then I just made decisions. So what am I doing? If I could only work three days a week, what would I have to shed from my calendar to work three days a week? And it probably was managing our marketing. So I could hire a marketing coordinator for 20 bucks an hour and manage our clients for life program, all of our social media. That was probably one day maybe even a more than one day a week. And then I probably wasn't even working five days a week. I was just physically there five days a week. So I just challenged myself to go to three, then go to two and then go to one. And it was harder to go from seven to five than it was from five to one. Huh. Okay. So now what do you do with your spare time? I did the same thing in the coaching business too. I went from 30 hours a week in the coaching business down to three hours here just recently with the same philosophy. I was like, well, do I really need to do that? We do a pretty high quality video a day to YouTube, but I just record for 12 hours every two months. And then I have a team that slices up everything. So again, it's just looking at my time. So that's the real estate team. Then the coaching company, I'm down just to one to many stuff like this, or I have a training session with our high level group after this. There's a real estate company, a cloud-based real estate company called EXP that I'm working with. That's been phenomenally fun and really disrupting the real estate industry. So that's the thing I'm working on most of my time now. Okay. So kind of going back to the beginning, you decide, okay, I'm working seven days a week and I look at my calendar and I'm spending the most time out of bounds on showings and listing appointments. So I'm going to hire someone to do those for me. Now, how do I know when I'm ready to do that? Is it, I'm listening to this, I can do it right now. Do I need to make a certain amount of money? Is it some sort of calculation you did and they get to understand what your dollar per hour was worth and then what type of things you should contract out? How should I be thinking about this? How do I know that I'm not jumping the gun and hiring an employee before I can even handle it? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we have six stages of growth that we teach in Real Estate B-School. And if you go to realestatebusinessgrowth.com, you could pick up a copy of the Real Estate Business Growth Navigator. It's like a 16-page report that I put together that takes you through all of the stages of growth. And it really just describes most of the industry lives in start mode. It's less than 100000 of gross commission income. Most of the people come into our world 100000 to 500000 of gross commission income. And to move past that, you need to shed everything that's administrative. So it's hiring a really good administrator. That will get you to a million then you're probably hiring a showing agent or a buyer agent or two or three, which is the next phase of growth that'll get you. So there's each step of the process, but it also is a dollar per hour. I made $18 an hour my first couple years in real estate. And the year I worked 42 days, I made $2,300 an hour. So it's a combination of there's only so many things in any business that's really only I'm the one that can do this. Like nobody else can do this except me. So that's a good resource. If there's somebody literally that's wanting to scale their real estate business that's listening to this, I would definitely go and just grab that. You've got to give us your email address. So we're definitely going to not spam you, but we're going to send you some more value once you opt in. But it's a really good resource that would help anyone that really wants to. And really for anyone that's growing a business, all the concepts are- Exactly. That's what I say. It sounds like the explanations as to why these are the phases and when to move on to each is definitely going to be applicable to anything. It's just 
be a little bit creative to apply it to something else. Thank you so much for offering that resource. We'll make sure that we put that in the show notes. So Lars, traditionally we say, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? But since we're talking about scaling businesses, as it relates to scaling businesses, what would be your best ever advice? This is going to be painful advice, but I'll say it anyway. Our most powerful tool that we use with our members is to do a time study. It's a two-week time study where you're just figuring out where you spend your time and then you're being honest with yourself about, are you really spending your time in the highest and best use areas in your business? And typically it's 80-20 in the wrong direction. Typically it's 20% of your time is spent doing your magic sort of superpower thing and 80% is wasted or administrative in nature. We work to flip that to 80% of your time is in your sweet spot and 20% is doing anything administrative. So that's one of our foundational tools that we have members do from the start. And then every 90 days, we look at what does a perfect week look like and what can you delegate from that list of things you're doing so that you can elevate. And that's the best advice I could give somebody. If you're not making the kind of money that you want today and you're not working the hours that you want and you're responsible for where you spend your time, you're just not spending your time in the $1,000 an hour work. In most entrepreneurial ventures, investing for sure, I don't know what it is, but there's two or three things an investor can do that is probably $1,000 an hour work. And if you were honest with yourself over a month period, how many hours are you spending doing that? Yeah, you may go top heavy so that you can get enough cash saved up to hire the administrator as an investor. But when you look at it as a business, if I were going to build a $10 million real estate investing company, I would have to really be honest about what my superpowers are, what really drives this business and how can I do more of it? So that's my best advice. I love that advice. I was actually just the other day looking through an old notebook and because I used to do that where I would track my time for the week and I was like, okay, well, I need to make some changes here. Whereas if you don't do it, you just don't really know. You just don't think about it. You kind of just get in that routine and the habit of doing the same thing every week. And you assume you're using your time usefully. But when you actually review that for two weeks and say, oh, I just spent three hours doing something completely useless, it definitely puts things in perspective. So thank you so much for sharing that, Lars. So are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's jump right into it. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com. Okay, Lars, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Oh man, you threw recently in there. The best ever book to wrap your head around leverage is E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. But then the recently part of it, oh, I can't lightning round it. It's so much pressure. Don't worry, ebook revisited is totally fine. We'll stick with that one. Awesome. If you think of it before the end, you can just blurt it out at random. Yeah. <laughs> if your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? My business collapsed. I really enjoy helping business owners scale. I probably would do really high-end consulting. 
So I'd okay. probably get five business owners to give me five grand a month to really help them scale their businesses. I think I could find 10 business owners that would allow me to come in and, and really get them massive leverage. Okay. So usually we ask about the best and the worst deals, but maybe I'll change up a little bit because we're talking about saving time. What's one thing that you did that reduced your time spent working the most? I think every quarter I go through a, a delegate and elevate. I look at a four quadrant, like what makes me a lot of money and what makes me not a lot of money. And then there's a, a passion scale. So what am I high passion, high pay, low passion, high pay, high passion, low pay, and then low passion, low pay. All the low pay stuff, if you want to make a lot of money, I don't care if you're passionate about it. If you're passionate about building websites and you spend 20 hours a week working on your website, I promise you're not making a lot of money in your business. So that's probably the tool that I would use consistently. And that's all I've done every quarter is kind of looked at my passion versus pay. So you didn't answer this question one of two ways. The first one is what's one thing that you delegated that you immediately realized that you probably shouldn't have delegated it and started doing it again yourself? Or if you don't have an answer for that one, what's the one thing that you see real estate professionals or real estate agents doing that's the biggest waste of time, the biggest low pay item? I'll answer both real quick. So the, okay. so the first one, when I first got out of listings, listings are the holy grail of real estate. Like a top agent, that is the Super Bowl. So you would never give away listings, but I wanted to give away listings because I didn't want to work with people. So I gave them away and I completely abdicated out of it. And I let this guy go on 105 listing appointments before I looked in and looked at his conversion rates. And they were abysmal. They were half as strong as mine. So that was just a monumental fail. I uh, learned a ton from it. We reconnected and I went back on 20 more appointments with him and we fixed the issues and we moved forward. One thing I see agents wasting time on, and this is every solopreneur thinks they're a business owner, but they're really not. They're spending way too much time on administrative. 80% of their day, they could pay someone less than $25 an hour to do. And if you want to make $250 an hour, which is 2,000 hours a year times 250 is 500,000, most people would love to see a $500,000 income. 250 minus 25, every time you're working on a $25 thing for an hour, you're losing $225. And most people don't really look at their day that way. And when you start looking at your day that way, you're like, huh, no wonder I'm stuck at 75 grand. It's because I'm doing all these things that are only getting me paid 75 grand. Thanks for answering both those questions. You kind of already answered this, but I'll ask it again anyways. What's the best ever way you'd like to give back? To give back, we're super blessed financially. So as a family, we really challenge ourselves to place money, some of it anonymously with people that are just struggling. And we give to the church, we give to a bunch of different organizations I don't give up my time. So I kind of really carry a little bit of a burden around. Like, I don't know if God is challenging me there yet. I feel like he's blessed me to make a whole lot of money and I just need to be a blessing to others. So I hold on very loosely to the money as it flows through me. So that's the biggest way that I give back. And then last question, what's the best ever place to reach you? I would think for your audience, it probably would be as a resource, thebusinessfreedompodcast.com just like good business advice, the scale or die book.com. I'm giving away the book for free. So there's no trick there, but I think those are the, probably the best too. All right, Lars. Well, thank you so much. There's a lot of advice was given in this episode. Very powerful. I think it's going to be worth re-listening this again. 
Lars is a real estate agent, or I guess he's a real estate agent one day a week. And a lot of these concepts definitely apply to any sort of real estate, whether you're a past investor or an active investor. You can even apply these things to your full-time job. And the idea is focusing how to reduce the amount of time you spend on those low dollar per hour activities and outsourcing those and spending more of your time on those high dollar an hour activities to the point where you can drastically reduce the amount of hours you're working every single week. So that was basically the main focus of the episode. Lots of examples, lots of specifics, lots of step-by-steps of how it worked for you, how it works for others. But then also you gave away the free book. You said scalardie.com, your free 16 stages. The Navigator at realestatebusinessgrowth.com. So make sure you check out both of those resources. What was the podcast again? Thebusinessfreedompodcast.com. Thebusinessfreedompodcast.com. So lots of resources. So- Yo, can I send you a PDF that you can share? I want to send you the time study exercise. It's literally just a PDF for anyone that's willing to take the challenge. I promise you, if you print this document out and do what it says and then shed off the administrative stuff and just do it once a quarter, your life will be changed forever. Well, we'll definitely make sure we add that in the show notes. So, yeah, thank you for sharing all this free stuff. We love free stuff here. So Lars, thank you again so much for joining us. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.